Well, good evening. Well, thank you for being here with us tonight to worship together. I don't know about you, but I need a touch from him tonight. I want to get in his presence, and it's our corporate worship that's going to usher in his presence tonight. And there's no better place to be than to be in his presence. seems like when we're there, everything else just melts away, and he's just there for us. Let's welcome him in tonight with a word of prayer. Lord, I want to thank you for this opportunity to be here tonight, Lord. We've come hungry. We've come on fire. We've come passionate to get into your presence tonight. Lord, we ask that you would have your will in this service. Lord, you would minister to your people, Lord, and that you would receive our offering, our love offering that we want to live up to you, that we want to lift up to you tonight. Lord, we love you. Lord, and we desire to have more of you in our lives. Touch us tonight. Fill us and let us leave this place full of you, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Now, let's get out and welcome each other tonight.
Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. I want you to, to do something with me a little bit different. We're gonna, they're going to help us here. And we're going to have a little bit of prayer time before we move forward in the service. If you've got a very special need tonight, and I mean you want God, you need God to move in a particular situation, and you know exactly what it is, I want to see your hand up in the air. Amen. Amen. Help us with some music there, Gary. I want us to take just a minute. Would you... Would you become the church right now? Would you just, like two or three folks standing around you, would you just reach over and agree with someone and find maybe two, three, four people that you can make just a little covenant of prayer with tonight? Just find someone standing beside you somewhere there. I want you to agree with them that God will touch and minister to the need that they have brought to this service tonight. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we know that you're a mighty God and that you're able to move mountains. You're able to touch and minister. Lord, no matter what the circumstances are in our lives, we give you the glory and the honor for answered prayers. We know that when we cry unto you, you hear us. And that, Lord, you love your people. That you look for opportunities to be close to your people tonight. Lord, you want fellowship and intimacy with us. And you want us to, to have that, that, that close touch of your Holy Spirit. So, Lord, we thank you. We position ourselves. We, we allow all the distractions to just melt away in your presence. And we thank you tonight, Lord, that we can come into your house. We can escape from all of the worries and frustrations of this life. And, Lord, here in a safe place with you, we can truly allow the ministry of your spirit to touch us. Would you minister healing? Would you minister deliverance? Would you touch, Lord, where provision is needed and blessing is needed? God, there are young people that need your touch tonight. There are mothers and fathers that are stressed out, full of anxiety. Lord, would you bless them? Speak peace over their minds and spirits tonight. Oh, we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. We believe in you tonight for a healing touch, Lord. Our bodies are weak and weary and we're going through it. And Lord, there's so many that need a touch from you. We're praying for a brand new little infant up at Miami Valley Hospital, little Carter, Carter Martin, we ask you to touch this little baby, minister to this little boy, and lay your hand on him head to foot. Let him feel the presence and power of God Almighty healing and touching him. And Lord, we'll never fail to give you the honor and the praise for it all. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we bring every care and every need to you. We thank you that you're a God who hears us. You're a God who's here right now with us, a Savior, a Deliverer. We thank you, Lord, for our miracles. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. What is that you're playing? There? Peace of God covering. Peace of God cover me. Cover me. Oh cover me. Peace of God, cover me. 
That's your cry tonight, your prayer tonight. Lord, cover Cover my family. Cover my heart. Cover my husband, my wife. How many of you need that covering from God's Holy Spirit? Jehovah Jireh. Jehovah Nisi. His banner over me is love. Cover Cover me. Cover me. Cover my brothers and my sisters. Cover my church, Lord. Peace of God. Cover my workplace. When I'm going through the storm. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Give the Lord praise tonight. Amen. You know, the Lord hears us. I said, the Lord hears us. Listen to the scripture. I will bless the Lord at all times. David said, his praise shall continually be in my mouth. How many of you came in with a praise on your heart and on your, on your lips tonight? Why don't you take just a moment. I, this is interactive tonight. Why don't you take just a moment and let's fill this house with praise. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. I want you and I just praise him out loud. Clap your hands unto God. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. You are victorious over your enemy. The enemy cannot touch you, cannot touch your family. In the name of Jesus, we are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. I said something this morning and I've shared it. A couple of different times all throughout this day, it's continued to be in my mind and my heart. It's time for us to start declaring. You know, declaring. Do you know what declaring means? That means you you have just absolutely, you are making a proclamation. You are absolutely stating a fact. How many of you know God can be trusted? That's a proclamation. That's a declaration. God can be trusted. If you'll obey him and serve him with all your heart, then you can, you'll taste the good of the land. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord, he said, and he heard me. I'm all about that today. I'm all about that today. I sought the Lord and he heard me. How many of you prayed a prayer just a few moments ago? Let me, let me clue you in on something. You may not get the attention of your husband or your wife. Maybe your kids are paying no attention to you whatsoever. 
Maybe people talked to you at lunch today and you just kept talking and talking and nobody acted like they was even zoning in to hear you. Can I tell you something? The moment you whisper the name of Jesus Christ, he hears you. He hears you. He's heard you tonight. He's heard the cry of your heart and God has come to touch and minister to your needs. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked unto him and were lightened. Hallelujah. And their faces were not ashamed. David said, this poor man cried and the Lord heard him, saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. How many of you are in awe and reverence and you fear the Lord tonight? Then why don't you move over just a little bit because there's a couple angels trying to sit in around you. Is the Bible the truth? Is it the word of God? Is it the infallible, inerrant, God-breathed, inspired word? If it is, then you've got angels all around you right now. Those who fear the Lord. Someone needs to hear this tonight. Someone came in here and you've been battling all day long. But I'm telling you, look down and around you. Look in front of you and behind you. The Bible says the angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and deliver them. And ta oh, taste and see. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man that trusts in him. Can you say amen? amen? Amen. That's just good preaching right there. You get two sermons for the price of one tonight. Isn't that all right? Everybody say amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can be seated this evening. Our ushers are coming to serve you on this Sunday evening. I want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love and support. And I love the fact that we're just a friendly church. We get one another's back. We love one another. Once you turn to somebody and smile at them and tell them, say, you're looking as good as you've looked all afternoon. You look better now than you did earlier. You look better now than you did earlier. I was privileged to be at Loran Livingston's church in Charlotte, North Carolina a couple of years ago. And I was blown away what happened, Sister Audrey. You would have liked it. They got up and... The pastor got up and he, he looked at the whole audience and he said, well, it's time for us to worship. Now, they're from the south. So he said, well, it's time to worship the Lord with our giving. And there were about 1,200 people in the building at that point. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they started whistling, clapping, hooping, and hollering. They got up, they got out in the aisles, they started clapping and going nuts because they said they were going to give in worship to the Lord. Now, I'm not expecting that tonight. <laughs> but I will say this. It is time for us to worship the Lord with our giving. How many of you have come to worship the Lord tonight? Amen. I would like to get to the place where we are so excited because we have tasted and we have seen that the Lord is good. Lawton, that he loves a cheerful giver. For many, many years, you were just known as the cheerful giver guy. The Lord 
He says he loves a cheerful giver. I would love for us to get to the place where we look at everything that has to do with trusting God and giving to God, that it's a joy for us, a joy that is unspeakable and full of glory. Wouldn't it be awesome? Brian, I'm praying for it. I'm praying we're to go. It may be that on the offering, Brother Davis, one Sunday, it'll start the biggest revival this church has ever known. Wouldn't that be amazing? I guarantee you that if we'll ever trust the Lord with all of our gifts and give him everything that we have, I promise you, it'll start a revival. Can you believe that? Say amen. Amen. Father, we thank you tonight for our gifts, our worship, and our offering. I pray that you will bless your people and touch for every gift that is given. And I thank you, Lord, for those who are faithful in all the different ways that they serve you through Stratford Heights Church. We thank you for our building project. We thank you for those who are helping us, furthering that work there. I pray that you will bless your people abundantly. That, God, you'll bless them until they can give over and over way more than they've ever desired or even thought they could ever imagine to give. I pray that you will bless your people. Honor them on their jobs. Honor them in their homes. Favor them in their community. And let them sense and feel the blessings of God so that your work can go forward in blessing as well. We thank you for all of your wonderful gifts to us as we now give to you in worship. In Jesus' name, amen. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Let your glory fill this place. Mighty God, come and fill your holy temple. Consuming fire fall. Let your Let your glory fill this 
Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Is anybody in this house thankful for the blood of Jesus Christ? I think we can do better than that. We're talking about the Savior of the world who came to us, Romans 5 and 8, and said that he commended his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Brian, Pastor Brian, we were on our way to a, a death that we couldn't overcome. But Jesus Christ gave his life for us, Brother Lawton, and that process brings us forgiveness. That process gives us new life. That's exciting. His blood will never lose its power. Aren't you thankful for that tonight? Amen. If you believe that, clap your hands one more time. You can go ahead and be seated. I'm going to set this up a little bit before we get into the reading of the Word. I may have you stand back up just in honor of God's Word tonight. But, uh, you know, you feel good, Pastor Melissa, when you've prepared and Pastor gets up and says that the Lord's laid obedience on his heart. Because sometimes in the hustle and bustle of life, we wonder, Pastor Mack, if, if we've really got the word for the congregation. And, you know, the Lord laid a, a message on my heart, and I've been studying through it, and I think I may have taught a little bit on it on a Wednesday night here. And, uh, but the title of it, and this was typed out yesterday, was Obedience to the Word of God Brings Revival. And I saw a poster out here that says we're in revival in a couple weeks. Now, I don't know. If you're on your way to revival, or if you're in revival, or if you're looking for revival, if you want revived, but I'm telling you that without the Word of God in your life, actively in your life, that process is what it takes to bring revival. And we're going to look at that tonight. We're going to look at the result of what someone can do in themselves, in prayer, and knowing what God would want them to do. And then we were going to see the difference of what happens when they get a hold of the Word of God and how that begins to shift and change the process. You know, we live in a day of confusion, a day that the church, in some ways, I'm not saying this church, but the church as a whole, for the most part, I would say it almost seems silent. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of a culture who's trying to redefine marriage, uh, redefine God and religion, and redefine the boundaries of what seems to be acceptable and what's not acceptable, in the midst of that, it almost seems as though the church is silent. Yet the Word of God tells us this in Hebrews 13 and 5. It says that Jesus Christ is the same today, yesterday, and forever. So Jesus hasn't changed. Maybe the process of Him inside our life has changed, but He has not changed. In fact, His Word says this in Psalm 119 and 89. It says, Forever, Lord, Thy Word is settled in the heavens. So we can look at that and see that His Word has not changed. So what is happening to the church? Is it possible that we are getting away from the principles of the process of pursuing God? In Paul's letter to Timothy, and it would have been his last letter that he wrote, and we see this in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verses 1-4, through 4, he says, I charge ye therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. He said, preach the word. Be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine, for the time shall come where they will not endure sound doctrine, but out of their own lusts shall they heap to themselves teachers. Right. Having itching ears, they will turn away from the truth and they will be turned unto fables. Yeah. We live in that day. We live in a day that, that the Word of God 
is, is not sufficient for some people. The, the word of God, people want to call themselves a Christian, but they don't want to pick up the word of God and do what it says. And I think Pastor used that scripture this morning. Why? Jesus' words, he said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and yet you do not the things that I say? Now, we're going to look at that because we can go by hearsay. We can go by what pastor tells us on Sunday. And believe me, he brings the word. I know his life. He, he fasts. He prays. He seeks God to give us the word each and every week. And, and we can go by that the best we can. In fact, if he was to give me the word, and then I was going to go to work, and I was going to share it with a coworker, and then he was going to share that word with somebody, by the time it went down to ten different people, it probably wouldn't resemble a whole lot of what pastor preached on that morning. Now, I may have got that, but we understand that there's a process that things can get lost when you just begin to translate through humanity. That there's a point where you've got to pick up the word of God for yourself. You've got to see what God's word is saying to you. And that process is what's going to bring revival in your life. Paul told Timothy, it's like as though he knew this was going to come, a day of compromise, a day of chaos, a day of people wanting to hear what sounds good to them. And he challenges Timothy to preach the word. The word of God was the tool. The word of God was the key that was going to make the difference in the midst of that society. And he said, he didn't, I, I like this, I wrote this down. He didn't look for a new method. He didn't look for a new idea. He didn't look for anything else. In our, in our day, he, we would look at, he didn't look for a blog. He didn't go Google something. He didn't try to find some other way out. No, he said, preach the word. The word is what makes the difference. Malachi chapter 3, I want to sum it up briefly because I am going to be aware of time tonight, but it tells of two groups of people in the last days. There would be a group of people that did not fear God. In fact, that they would give up serving God because they would look at it and see that there was no benefit in it. The other group of people, however, they feared God. And that fear of God led them into a relationship with God. The Bible says that they would be able to discern between the righteous and the wicked. It would bring about discernment in their life to make good decisions. It's the last day. I read in Proverbs 9 and 10, it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. In Amos 8 and 11, it said, behold, the days come, says the Lord, that I will send a famine into the land, not a famine of bread nor a thirst of water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Tonight, we're going to look at the importance of God's Word. Why we need to make sure that we're centering our lives on His Word. And that we're following through with obedience to His Word. It's not about hearing what we want to hear. It's about hearing what He wants us to hear. Did you get that? It's not about us getting our ears tickled and hearing what we want to hear. But it's about hearing what He wants us to hear. And sometimes that doesn't feel good. But I can tell you that that process, if you submit yourself to it and if you submit your life in obedience to it, it will, it'll bring revival. It'll bring revival in your life, it'll bring revival in your home and it will be transferred to others around you. I'm telling you, it makes the difference. Tonight, if you'd stand to your feet, if you can look up 2 Chronicles chapter 34, the title of tonight's sermon, Obedience to the Word of God Brings Revival. 2 Chronicles chapter 34, the Bible says it, that Josiah was eight years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem one in, 31, or one in 30 years. And he did that which was right 
in the sight of the Lord, and he walked in the ways of David his father, and, and declined neither to the right nor the left. For in the eighth year of his reign, while he was yet young, he began to seek after the God of David his father. And in the twelfth year, he began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the high places and the groves and the carved images and the molten images. And they break down the altars of Balaam in his presence and the images that were on high above them and, he, and the carved images and the molten images. And he, he broke them into pieces and he made dust out of them and he strode them upon the graves of them that had sacrificed unto those false gods. And he burned the bones of the priests upon the altars and cleansed Judah and Jerusalem. And so did he in the cities of Manasseh and Ephraim and Simeon under the, and even unto Naphtia with their mattocks round about. And when he had broken down the altars and the groves, verse 7, and he had beaten the graven images into powder and cut down all the idols throughout all the land of Israel, he returned to Jerusalem. Now in the 18th year of his reign, when he had purged the land and the house, thought the work was done, thought he did a good work, thought the process was something he achieved for God. He sends Shaphan to the, the son of Azelia and Masiah, the governor of the city, and Joah, the son of Johaz, the recorder, to repair the house of the Lord, his God. So now he's going to begin repair on God's house. And when they came to Hilkiah, the high priest, they delivered the money that was brought into the house of God, which the Levites that kept the doors had gathered under the hand of Manasseh and Ephraim and all the remnant of Israel and all Judah and Benjamin, and they returned to Jerusalem. We're going to skip down to verse 14. And when they brought out the money that was brought into the house of the Lord, Hilkiah the priest found a book of the law of the Lord given by Moses. And Hilkiah answered and said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah delivered the book to Shaphan. And Shaphan carried the, the book to the king and brought the word to uh, back again and saying, all that was committed to thy servants, they do it. And they have gathered together the money that was found in the house of the Lord and they delivered it into the hands of the overseers to the hand of the workmen. Then Shaphan the scribe told the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath given me a book. Shaphan read it. <laughs> he read it before the king. And it came to pass that when the king had heard the words of the law, that he rent his clothes. And the king commanded Hilkiah and Hakim, the son of Shaphan, and, and Abdon, the son of Micah, and Shaphan the scribe, and Asa, a servant of the king, saying, Go and inquire of the Lord for me and for them that are left in Israel and Judah concerning the words of this book that is found for great is the wrath of the Lord that is poured out upon us because our fathers have not kept the word of the Lord to do after all that is written in this book. And Hilkiah and they that the king had appointed went to Huldah the prophetess, the wife of Shalom, the son of Tikvah, the son of Hasrah, and she dwelt in Jerusalem in the, co in the college, and they spake to her to the effect. And she answered, and thus says the Lord of God of Israel, tell the man that sent you to me, Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will bring evil upon this place and upon the inhabitants thereof, and even all the curses that are written in the book which they have read before the king of Judah, because they have forsaken me and have burned incense unto other gods, and that they 
might provoke me to anger with all the works of their hands. Therefore, my wrath shall be poured out upon this place and shall not be quenched. But as for the king of Judah, who sent you to inquire of the Lord, so shall you say unto him, Thus says the Lord God of Israel concerning the words which thou hast heard, because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God when you heard the words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humbledest thyself before me, and did rent thy clothes, and weep before me, I even heard thee also, says the Lord. Behold, I will gather thee, gather thee to your fathers, and, and thou shalt be gathered to the grave in peace. Neither shall your eyes see all the evil that I'll bring upon this place, upon the inhabitants of the same. So they brought the king word again. So the king's off the hook. So what's he going to do? Then it says, verse 29, the king sent and gathered together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. And the king went up into the house of the Lord and all the men of Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem the priests, the Levites, and all the people, great and small, and he read in the ears of all the words of the book of the covenant that was found in the house of the Lord. And it says, And the king stood up in the place, and he made a covenant between or before the Lord to walk after the Lord and keep his commandments and his testimonies and his statutes with all his heart, with all his soul, to perform the words of the covenant which are written in this book. And he caused all that were present in Jerusalem and Benjamin to stand to it, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem did according to the covenant of God, the God of their fathers. And Josiah, the last verse, took away all the abominations out of all the countries. I thought he was done with the work. It says he took away all the abominations out of the countries that pertained to the children of Israel. And he made all that were present in Israel to serve, even to serve the Lord their God. And all his days they departed not from following the Lord the God of their fathers. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray over your word tonight. Lord, I thank you, God, that your word is settled in the heavens, that, God, it is stable. It's a foundation for us. It is life-changing, that, God, it has the ability to get inside us and transfer our thinking and cause us to be like you, God. I pray over your word tonight. I pray over every hearer in this place. I pray over every heart, every ear, God, that this would be the place, God, that I would decrease, you would increase, God, that your word would go forth and it would land in the hearts of your people. God, I pray for revival in these last days. I pray, God, that you would send your power into this house, God, that you would send your presence into every family's home, God, that we would be a church that is vibrant and looking for the second coming of Jesus Christ. I pray that in the powerful name of Jesus tonight. Amen. And you can be seated. So as we break this down, and I know that's a lot of reading. I'm going to have to pay for that later when I get home. My wife always gets on me. But, but you know, we've got to take time with the Word of God. We can't just sit there and skim sometimes. We've got to grab the meat of the Word. And I believe if you're here on a Sunday night, you're ready to, to, to really chew on a steak tonight. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to chew on a steak a little bit. King Josiah, eight years old. Is there anybody in the house that's eight years old? Anybody eight years old? We've all been eight years old, but if we haven't. All right, Lewis is eight years old. Hallelujah. That's exciting. Eight years old and a beard. I think I saw a movie about that. Josiah is eight years old, and he's, he's beginning to reign as king. When you follow this scripture, it says that eight years into his reign, he began to seek after God. So up to this place, we know that somewhere something was deposited in him 
that he had to serve God, that he had to seek God. Now, at 16 years of age, I know I've got some 16-year-olds over here because I get, I get uh, posts and I get all kinds of information when they get close to 16 because they're excited about getting their license and all those kinds of things. But when he was 16 years old, he begins to seek God. He begins to seek after his ways. And I find that that's important because by the time he's 20, we see a result of that relationship. We see that it's not just this in vain kind of seeking that that pastor it brought about a result it, it brought about some kind of fruit in his life it, because it said that he began to tear down the groves and he began to tear down what represented idol worship he began to tear down those things in the community that maybe had been set up opposite of what god would stand for so somewhere he's got an idea of what he needs to do it said from the high places, the groves, carved images, molten images. He broke down altars to Balaam and the images that were on high above them. He burned the bones of the priest on those man-made altars that weren't even made for God to begin with. And we see then in verse 8, his 18th year, he's 26 years old. And now he's going to begin a work. And I, I kind of relate this a little bit to where we're at here with our church because, you know, we're, we got this huge building project happening out here. And, and you know, it, it's, it's a big task to take on and many of us are giving and and we're, we're pouring into the church and trying to do what we can and so somewhere he's got a heart for God he's got a, a heart for God's house and 18 years into his reign he begins to he grabs Hilkiah the high priest who had the responsibility of of having the ability to go into the holy of holies and and be able to stand there between heaven and earth for God's people and and he gets Hilkiah the priest and he has him, and, and he gathers Shaphan, the scribe, and different ones, and now they're beginning to gather the monies to repair the house of God. And in the process, they find the word of God. Now, I don't know what that does to you, but when I read that, that does something to me, because we're not talking about the people up on the high places and the groves, those that are, that are trying to worship, the idol worship and those kinds of things. No, we're talking about the house of God. We're talking about God's house. And we're talking about the high priest who obviously ran across this thing. And, and the thing is, he doesn't even have the courage within himself to read it himself. He hands it off like a football to the scribe. And it was Shaphan the scribe who takes it and he reads it before the king. I don't know what that does, but that sends, that sends me down a path tonight that I want to challenge us with. Because to this point, we see a portrait of someone who appears to have the heart of God. Someone who has great results from their ministry. The Bible tells us that he began to seek God, tear down those things that represented evil. Great things were being done. In our day, we would have said prior to this that Josiah was a great leader, that the hand of God was on him, that he was on fire and influencing those around him, doing great things for God's house. And then he gets to this point, 18 years in. Let's think about this for a minute. This is 18 years of going through the motions. This is 18 years of walking through that front door, right through the gates and, and walking around and seeing the, the, the tables that were set up and the showbread and all those things. This is 18 years of leading God's people, 18 years for this high priest of going through the motions. 
This is 18 years of a scribe uh, who, who was there as an assistant. This is 18 years, and the word of God has laid dormant. I thought about it. It was 18 years of passing up the sodomite houses as he would walk in to God's house. It was past the idols that was set up outside the house of God. 18 years of hearing Baal worship in the distance on the high places. Yeah, he had torn down some groves. Yeah, he had removed some things that represented that, but we understand. And in fact, if you want to do a study, I can give you some notes because it's in Kings that it breaks down that last verse. It's in 2 Kings chapter 23, verse 4 through 20. If you want to write that down, go home and look because I'm telling you, he began to do things that would blow your mind. He began to rid anything and everything that represented anything opposite of what God wanted. Because once he understood, once he heard for himself, once he knew what God's word was commanding, he was able to step forward and do it. This was 18 years of watching double-minded people going through the motions of religion and in reality giving their worship and their hearts to an idol worship, one that wasn't even the true God. 18 years of thinking that you're on the right track and doing everything that, that God would have you to do, and finally you're confronted with the word of God. Maybe it was the first time he had heard that God was a jealous God. Maybe it was Exodus that got his attention as he began to look at the, the Ten Commandments that, that, that God had with the finger of God carved out for Moses when Moses come down and Aaron began to lead the people into idol worship. <laughs> and they, they took their gold and their earrings and all those things and they began to make a molten calf that's something they could see that they could worship because Moses was taking too long. Maybe that's what got this king's attention. But we know that something grabbed him at his heart. Maybe it was the fact that it's, he read in, that, in those Ten Commandments that he should have no other gods before him. And at that moment, maybe Josiah looked up and saw the Asherah pole right outside God's house. Maybe it's that you shouldn't use God's name in vain as he begins to hear the communication and the language of those people around the house of God. What we know for a fact is that God's word got inside of the king and it did something transforming to him. We know in Hebrews 4 and 12 it says, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any, than any two-edged sword, piercing even the dividing asunder of our soul and our spirit, our joints and our marrow. It's a discerner of our thoughts and the intents of our heart. God's word gets inside us and what we may think is the right path, once God's word gets in us, we know what the right path is. I'm reminded of Proverbs 3 and 5, 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. That is God's word for us tonight. Josiah is convicted to his very core. Everything that he thought was right and noble now has been confronted with the very word of God and the commandments of God. Hilkiah the priest, along with the other men, they go to Huldah the prophetess. Now, I found that was interesting. We've got the priest who isn't even going to take his rightful place. 
Now, he's not only just a priest, he's the high priest. He's got assistants, and he's not even going to take his rightful place. No, he is going to, they're going to go seek out in the community this prophetess, and they're going to take this situation to her and see what can be done about it. And it's interesting that this priest couldn't seek God on the behalf of the people and the king for himself. That he hands off this word to the scribe, and the conviction of the king sends them off to this, this lady to find the answers from God. Now, Hoda tells them that the instruction is coming. And I am here to declare tonight that there are things that are written in this word that in the last days will happen. It talks about scoffers and those that, that will, not, will not believe the word of God, will not follow the, the path of God, and there's destruction coming for them. If you're in this place and you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I, I hate to tell you this, but you are headed for a devil's hell. That's the reality of life tonight. If you've not made Jesus Lord and Savior, master and controller of your life, if you're still trying to live out your life the way you see fit, I've got news for you tonight that it's very possible that you're on the wrong path because it's those that have accepted Jesus Christ into their heart and have his blood applied like the song that we sang tonight that will never lose its power. It's those that are headed towards heaven. So we understand, we see in this situation that she's telling them that everything that's written in this book is going to come to pass. The destruction, the disobedience to God's word, all the, the result of that is bringing about a day of destruction upon the people. But because Josiah has humbled himself and seeked after God, the destruction will not come to him. Verse 27, because his heart was tender, and he did humble himself before God when he heard the words again in this place and again against the inhabitants thereof. And he humbled himself before me. This is God's word to him. And he rent his clothes and he wept before him. He said, I have heard even him, says the Lord. Have you done that? Have you got to that place where you've asked him into your heart? You've asked him to wash everything away that doesn't represent him. I'm telling you that it's a process. It's a process, a continuing process. You don't ever get there. It's not like a landmark on the map that you get there and you've achieved it. It is a process in your life of pursuing God, and that happens when we pick his word up and we follow what his word says. I'm telling you this has got to be a part of who you are. Uh, Pastor Melissa, I wanted to bring your discipleship booth and place it right here in front of this pulpit because I'm telling you, if you've not submitted yourself to discipleship, we are doing everything in this church we can possibly do. This is one of the only churches that I know of that still has Sunday school, that still has a Sunday night service. And, and if that isn't enough, we've got services every single night of the week, and now we're starting small groups. And I'm telling you, we are doing everything we can to abide by this book and to teach what this book has is, is taught us. But I'm telling you, you have a, a part to play in that. I'm telling you that, that discipleship is not a destination. It is not something that just happens in your life. It is a process that is happening in your life if you're submitted to it every single day that you breathe on this planet. And this is what we see, that Josiah did the best he could with what he knew. But when he got a hold, Russ, of God's word, it began to do something in him that changed the community. And I know a lot of people that would have heard what he got. Oh, that he, he submitted and he was humble and God forgave him. And a lot of people would have said that's good enough. But it wasn't good enough for the king. 
Josiah, he's cleared of his transgression and all is well. He, he knows he's going to be buried now with his family and those that went before him and lived right. But is that good enough? Is that the end of the story? Verse 31, we see that Josiah stood up before the people in the community and he read the word of God to the people and he commits to God's word and the commandments and the testimonies and the statutes with all of his heart and all of his soul. And the result of that brought about a community's commitment to God. About a, ref a reformation, if you will, in the community. We would call that in our day revival. Revival is when you put aside your thoughts and your wants and your desires and you begin to seek after God for his thoughts and his wants and his desires. It's when you begin to take on his mindset in your current day. It's when you begin to take to heart those things that are taken to his heart. It's when you begin to see people as he sees people. It's when you begin to love people regardless of the love that you receive. I, I am convinced that revival is something that this nation is in desperate need of. We're getting ready to go to revival in the next couple weeks. Pastor Lane Sargent, who's been our pastor here, who has had many revivals and who has spoken powerful words over this congregation, will be here. But I want to encourage this church. I want to encourage you to prepare for that. Don't wait for the word. Begin to seek God's word and prepare for the implanting, if you will, into your heart of God's word. I believe he's going to bring something very powerful. I believe that his word will, could be life-changing. But do you know that you have a responsibility to prepare yourself for that? And that's what we see with Josiah. That he saw that there was a process of what God's word did in his heart, in his life. So he began to share that with others in the community. It tells Hilkiah the priest and the priest of the second order to bring forth out of the temple. This comes out of 2 Kings. I want to share a little bit briefly of what happened after the fact. Because up to this point, Josiah, we thought, did good things. But 2 Kings says it this way. It says that he tells Hilkiah the priest and the high priest of the second order to bring forth out of the temple of the Lord all the vessels that were made for Baal. And for the grove and for the most of all for the host of heaven. And he destroyed Baal worship and his priest. And he, he brought out the grove from the house of the Lord. He broke down the Sodomite houses. He destroyed the high places of idolatry. He destroyed the fire worship to Molech. He removed the sun worship and its dedicated horses and chariots. He destroyed idolatrous altars. He destroyed the idol gods. He destroyed Jeroboam's altar in the high place at Bethel. He destroyed the high places in all of Samaria, and he kills the idolatrous priest. He restores the Passover. He destroys all the traffic with the demons and household gods and wizards and mediums. Revival has hit this community. No wonder God's word says that he had a heart for God, and he did what was right in the sight of God. And I want to encourage you tonight. You're here tonight. Because I believe that there's something in your life, there's something in your heart God has seen that is right. There's something that God has seen in your heart that he wants to transform. There's something left that he wants to do in your work, in your life, and in your calling. And, and maybe you're in this house and you're just hearing this and it's, it's bringing conviction or it's bringing something about in your mind that you realize that you're not at that place. I'm telling you tonight, you can ask Jesus into your heart and things can begin to be transformed in your life.
Maybe you're at this place where you're like Josiah was and you've done some good things for God. But if you was to truly admit the last time you picked your word up, pick God's word up and begin to read it and apply what it says, maybe you would find yourself feeling a little out of place because it's not been a priority in your life. Know that you can be a good person like Josiah who was doing good things for God, who is even praying and seeking God and find yourself at this place void of his word. I'm challenging this church tonight to get into God's word. I'm challenging you that it will make the difference for you and everybody that comes in to contact with you. Josiah tried to do the work of God prior to reading his word, but the priest, Shaphan the scribe, and others who worked in the house of God alone with all the communities surrounding them were left unaffected. Are there people in your life that is left unaffected from you? Are there people you're trying to reach and you just don't seem to have the right word or you don't seem to have the right path or the right avenue to, to reach their heart? I'm telling you, God's word can do that. I'm telling you that God's word is like spiritual surgery. It brings conviction to the heart of people. Our best might allow us to do something for God that seems noble and right, but if we seek God's word and follow it with obedience, we will be able to provide a God-given result in these last days. The question tonight, and I'm closing, is where are we as a church? Have you submitted to discipleship so that you can do everything possible to become like Christ? This church has, like I said, it has Sunday school and services, and we have a lot of things going on, so there is no excuse for being ignorant of God's word and what it says. Seeking God wasn't enough for Josiah in those days. They had results, and they were able to tear down of some of what the enemy had built, but when Josiah got a hold of the word... <laughs> Mixed with a heart for God, it brought revival. It brought revival. If we as a church will stand up and continue to seek God and get a hold of his word and read it, meditate on it, apply it to our life, it will bring revival that will affect the whole community. It will affect you. It will affect those around you. God's word. It's a lamp into our feet. It's a light into our path. We would stand to our feet in this place. I'm convicted of one thing that I want to challenge you with tonight. Maybe you're in this house and spiritual growth is taking a place in your life that God has spoken a word. And that word's been spoken to you and in your life and in your spirit. And maybe that word is laying dormant inside the temple of God, which is what we are. Can I challenge you to stir that up? Can I challenge you tonight that, that God is faithful to perform that which he, which he sets forth? He is faithful to his word. Now, we have to be patient. God's word, he, he'll show us that we've got to be patient. We've got to be willing to apply ourselves to him and apply ourselves to patience and listening and waiting on him. But just like Peter who was in a sinking boat, and there he is out in the fourth watch, and he's in a difficult circumstance, and it's so bad he begins to agree with the hour that he's in, and he calls Jesus Christ a ghost. Can you read that? And when he realizes that in the midst of his storm, in the midst of his circumstances, that it was Jesus Christ, the Son of God, out there on that water, <laughs> he said, bid me to come out to you. Basically, speak the word. And Jesus spoke the word. 
He said, come. And when he spoke that, Peter was able to walk on impossible circumstances to get to where Jesus was. With every head bowed and every eye closed in this place, I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know how this speaks to you tonight. I don't know if you've been in God's house like Josiah and maybe you've been working for 18 years and, and you've had a life void of the word of God, personally speaking. If that is you, I challenge you tonight at these altars to get a hold of God. We'll pray with you. We'll pray words of encouragement over you and, and, and words of anointing over you that you'll be able to be enlightened to God's word and, and that that will be opened up to you. Maybe you're in this house and you're lost. And you're like many of those that were in the community that day that, that were going their own way and they had many things that took the place of God. They, they worshipped everything that satisfied them. Everything that brought them satisfaction, but it wasn't God. So if that's you and you're in this place and there is sin, there is something that has separated you from God and you can identify what that is, my challenge to you tonight is to raise your hand and in raising your hand you'll have the opportunity to accept Jesus Christ into your heart tonight. If that's you, just raise your hand in the process of that. We're going to say a prayer with you. And that prayer in and of itself will bring salvation to your life. Salvation to where you're at. I find that kind of good news tonight. That tells me that we're all ready and we're all prepared. And with that being said, I want to, I want to turn this over to Pastor. If you come up here. And I believe that if you're here tonight, the challenge is going forth that we've got to grab a hold of God's word in these last days. We've got to uplift our pastor in these last days because he can't bear this alone. I'm telling you, we've got to get behind him, behind his vision. We've got to pray for him. We've got to lift him up because God always works from the head down. He's always going to work from our pastor down. And we can't rely on him to bring everything to us. We've got to be in God's word and we've got to be actively pursuing God so that we're prepared and able to take what God's bringing to us. You know, I was thinking while Marty was speaking to us this evening that this is, one of the, this is a message that challenges us to something that, that every now and again in our lives we have just got to have. And that is a challenge to get back to the basics of what builds our relationship with Christ. We get off sometimes in so many different directions and we and we can we can we can become so spiritually centered and focused and we can be out there and, and sometimes we can get off track with all of that. But it's good for us to be pulled back in and that's what this whole thing with obedience is going to be about for the next several weeks. It's about challenging us as a church to getting back to what it is, who we are in Christ. Who we are in Christ. It's important that we, we remember that there are the basic building blocks of, of what brings blessing and favor and strength into our hearts and lives as we're serving God. When we're building a church and we're looking at all that God's opened up opportunity for us to do, then it's important for us to come back to the basics. To get back to asking the question, are we praying? Are we reading God's word? Are we obeying? And I know we can get off on fairy dust and all kinds of spirituality. And that's fun. 
it's fun to do that Magic Kingdom stuff. But my question always comes back, do we, are we, you know, once we've come down off of our shout, once we've come down off of our mystic mountain, are we walking straight? And as our thoughts and as the heart, is it pure before God? Are we walking in a, in a purity and a holiness before the Lord? I'm amazed at times at how off track we can get and still claim to be very spiritually minded. I'm calling us tonight to a little season. On this Sunday night, as we begin a trek towards obedience, and we're going to look at obedience over the next little while before we hit revival. And I think it's going to go hand in hand with what we need as a church for God to get ready to do what he's promised he's going to do. He's already informed us. He's going to lead us into a place of revival. He's already told us about a visitation of his Holy Spirit. He's already informed us what's happening, what's up just the road here. The only way we'll get there is if we bury ourselves in his word and in prayer and in fastings and if we seek the Lord in purity and righteousness again. I'm telling you, that's the challenge of my heart. So I'm asking you, and I thank you for challenging me, for challenging our people back to the word, back to the word that changes us, back to the word. The Bible says it's alive. Do I hear an amen? The word is alive. The word, you read word, you, you touch that word and let it challenge your heart and speak to you. It'll say something different every time you pick it up. It'll talk to you right where you are. It'll meet you right where you are in need. The word of God. Sometimes we feel like we got to have some other word. we got to find some other word. But I'm telling you, the word of God, my Bible on that front row, that right there is what I cherish. That's what I hold on to. That's what I keep close to me. I've read that when I've been down and depressed, Shane. I've read that when I didn't know what steps to take next. And that word has been my strength. Calms me. Sends me peace. Gives me joy. Restores my happiness. It touches my life. It's all I need. It's all we need. The word of God. With the gift of his spirit power that comes through the endowment of his spirit in our lives walking a daily walk in purity and righteousness and holiness it's not very popular it's not very popular people much rather have other stuff I challenge you tonight to seek holiness and purity and righteousness through his word through prayer, and through living and walking every day by faith. Can I hear an amen? I challenge you right now. I won't add much more. I wanted you to move forward into our altar. I want us to take a season. And I, don't, I really don't want you to pray for everybody else. I want you to pray for you. I want you and me to find a place to pray. And I want us to search out, God, where do I need to grow? Where do I need the challenge? Where do I need to be obedient? Where do I need to stop seeking all kinds of other things? And where do I need to get back on track? Lord, call me to the basics once again because that's the building blocks of the church. Come and let's pray tonight. I surrender. I 
Yes, I know him by name. I'd like our, some of our prayer warriors to come forward. And if you're still praying, you can continue to pray. But if you'd like special prayer this evening, if you've come to God's house and you've got a special need in your life, I want you to feel comfortable right now to come into the altar to receive special prayer. We'll meet you down here in the altar. Amen. God bless you.